What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Phillies podcast. I am your host, recent Temple Media School graduate and lifelong Philadelphia Phillies fan, Dan Wilson. And on today's episode, a very special guest, part one of a part two episode with Bob Wankel from Crossing Broad. Of course, he's a Phillies writer, co-host of the Cross Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast. Bob, a uh, great guy to talk to. He's He was in the locker room just a few years ago, of course, uh, with the COVID-shortened season and all the protocols around Major League Baseball this year, was in the press conferences but not in person on Zoom. So great to get his perspective on this team, this organization, where it's heading, the offseason, the Phillies' rebuilding timeline, what's there to be excited about this team, and a whole lot more. So I present to you my conversation with Bob Wankel. All right, joining us on the Locked on Phillies podcast today uh, from Crossing Broad and he crossed up a Phillies podcast, Bob Wankel. Bob, thank you for joining us here today. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. I'm ready to talk to uh, talk a little Phillies baseball here on a January day. Get everybody all fired up. Very excited for the 2021 season. I, I'm quite fired up as well. You know, we sit here on January 13th, pitchers and catchers, assuming we follow the actual baseball schedule this year, about a month away. And, I, you know, the excitement citywide is just incredible with the Philadelphia Phillies, certainly the talk of the town right now. Sixers might be getting James Harden. The Eagles fired their coach. Flyers starting their season. And the Phillies are just kind of there. And um, the Phillies traded for Sam Coonrod. Yeah. And, and, and that's, just, and you know, if you ask me, that's the biggest news going on in Philadelphia sports at the moment. Um, I wanted to start with, so about a month ago, the Phillies have had Dave Dombrowski in place for about a month. Uh, there was about a month of the offseason there where they had no one in place other than Andy McVale. Of course, Matt Clintac steps down, fired, whatever you want to call it. He's no longer serving as the general manager as of the conclusion of the season. They basically wait a month, get Dombrowski as the president of baseball operations. The only real moves that have been made is the acquisition of a few relievers, as you mentioned, Coonrod and Jose Alvarado from the Rays. Uh, a month ago, you had a podcast that I was listening to earlier uh, when they signed Dombrowski titled We Don't Hate It, which I guess is a fair way to look at it as of like, OK, this is a Phillies organization that has done so much wrong recently. Here's something that we're actually open to a month in. Do you still feel the same way? And is there anything you obviously the real Muto news still sits on the hot stove here? News earlier today that apparently Dombrowski and him met in late December. Uh, are you still, do you still have the same feeling as you did a month ago about Dave Dombrowski and where this team's headed? Yes, I do. And I, during that podcast, one of the things I kind of expected to see here was that he was not going to come in and, you know, go all in on 2021. I never thought that that was a realistic expectation. I really think that John Middleton said, Hey, listen, I've spent a lot of money last few years. We haven't gotten close. I had expectations. We didn't meet them. And so I think a lot of what Dave Dombrowski being here is about is, almost taking stock of, of how the Phillies got to where they're currently at and why they've fallen so short of expectations and, and why they've had so many misses. And so I really think that a lot of, of this year is going to be about surveying the organization, sort of creating reports on what's working, what's not working. And I don't want to say that they're, they're punting on this year entirely, but I'm not surprised about the inactivity to this point. And I wonder where they're currently positioned the thing that I think is is interesting about this team is that they have some some big salaries, some big contracts, yet they don't seem close. And so how do you supplement what's already here and try to make them a fringe playoff contender, which is, I think, their best case scenario right now, versus saying, hey, you know what, um, 
maybe we need to dial things back here and kind of reassess and, and tie up or uh, free up some financial, uh, you know, free up our finances moving forward. And, and I think right now Dombrowski's really in a survey and assess mode. And, and I think that that's part of the reason we haven't seen a lot of, a lot of action. And, um, you know, I'm not really surprised by it. So to answer your question, am I, do I feel the way I did a month ago? Yes, because this inactivity is essentially what I expected a month ago. The, so it's an interesting two-sided coin here uh, that I kind of view it as. On the one hand, I agree with you. I don't think they should be all, I don't see any realistic scenario where they're like all in on 2021 and are a legitimate contender. I think that was proven last year when I think they clearly thought they would be a playoff team, especially in an expanded playoff system, could not even get in just because an atrocious bullpen, like literally historically bad. I'm looking at this team forming in the 2021. You have another prime year of Bryce Harper, a prime year of Aaron Nola, a prime year of Zach Wheeler. Alec Bohm obviously played very well last year. Like, I agree that I don't think they're in a position to go all in for 2021, but almost can they afford to think like that? Is this bullpen going to look that much improved in 2021? And then you have the other side of that is, well, Vince Velasquez looks like he's still going to have a rotation spot. Like, they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place a little bit Dombrowski known as a guy who certainly likes to go for it but he doesn't necessarily have the assets to go for it like what does he do from here yeah I think it might take him a year to be able to be in that position I um you know I don't want to defend what the Phillies are doing and I don't want to defend how they've gotten to this point they're a major market team that hasn't been in the playoffs in almost a decade and I remember you know I started covering the team going down to the stadium on a daily basis during the 2019 season. But up until that point, I was a, a Phillies fan, you know, and there was, I was at the game five of the world series back in 2008. And I remember saying at the time, like, Oh my God, we're the Yankees. Now we're the Red Sox. It's going to be like this every single year. And and my, tw- my mid twenties to my mid thirties went by and they didn't make the playoffs, you know? So, I mean, I don't want to say like, this is the right thing to do. And, you know, I don't want to create excuses for them when I say they're not doing anything. And I understand why, but you made the point. You have another prime year of Aaron Nola, prime year of Zach Wheeler. who You went out and paid a lot of money to ahead of last season. You have Bryce Harper here. It's a really weird situation that they're in. And like you said, they're, they're sort of like in this, this limbo almost. And to that end, and I'm sure that we'll get to this in a little bit more detail in a bit, but that's what makes the JT Real Muto situation so interesting because on the surface, you say this is arguably the best player at this position. And how can you sell your fans on this team moving forward over the next four or five years if you don't go out and sign this guy, especially in light of the assets that you gave up to get him? That being said, JT Real Muto is going to be 30 years old this season. When are the Phillies realistically going to be all in again? When are they going to be in a position to say, we can play with the Braves, we can play with the Mets? And in light of what the Mets have done this offseason, the Phillies are clearly behind those two teams. And you can make an argument that the Marlins, I mean, hell, they finished ahead of them this season. You know, you can make an argument that they're not on that plane either. So it makes it interesting because if the Phillies really aren't a contending track until, let's say, 2022, 2023, which I know nobody wants to hear, but if that's their thinking internally, how do you turn around and pay JT Real Muto for his age 30, age 31 seasons before you're even really ready to compete? Do you want to allocate the $25, $30 million necessary to a 32, 33-year-old catcher just as you're ready to make your run? And I just don't believe that there's any one move that the Phillies can make this offseason between now and, and spring training 
that's going to put them into that tier where they can confidently say, like, we expect to make the playoffs. I think if they told fans that right now, they'd be lying. So could they get off to a good start? Could they, uh, you know, just have things sort of level out with the bullpen? Could Alec Boehm really take that next step and, and continue his ascension? Can Bryce Harper play at a quasi-MVP level? Can Scott Kingery bounce back? All of those things happen. Then maybe Dave Dombrowski uses that creativity uh, and that like that all-in aggressive mentality when you get to the trade deadline and maybe bolster this team. But going in between now and, and the start of the season, I don't see it. And uh, I, I I become I've become increasingly doubtful about the fact. And I, I know the Phillies would like to sign JT Romuto, but unless that number really truly comes down, I, I just don't think it's going to happen for the reasons I just said. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with Romuto. My first, as I was mentioning to you before we started recording, I took this podcast over late October and my first ever episode was like, I wouldn't even be that bummed. And this was before they even had Dombrowski. You know, Clintac had, I think, just stepped down at this point or was about to shortly thereafter. And I was like, I don't, like, everyone's all in on Romuto. I get it. As, As of today or as of last year, he was the best catcher in baseball. He's a fan favorite. They traded Sixto Sanchez to get him, which, you know, as he lights it up in the NL East and down in Miami, looks like a worse and worse trade every day, especially for a team that needs pitching help. But in terms of like where this team is in the timeline, like I don't really want to give a 30 year old catcher the age where catchers typically drop off five years, hoping that'll be good in year three, four and five of that deal when this team is good again. Like I think you're paying him for the front end of that. And it just doesn't lie. I don't think the trade lined up with their timeline two years ago. I certainly don't think it lines up now. And the fact that you gave up a big asset to get them, I don't think is a reason to like go further into this thing. I think that money could likely be better spent somewhere else. I agree. The Phillies don't uh, have the ability. They're not in position. They haven't built up the goodwill to say, listen, we built a flawed team, which was very obvious as early as, as 2019 in the first months. I know they got off to a good start, but it was very clear that that was a flawed team. You know, I, I think if they had made the playoffs as recently as, let's say, like 2017, 2018, they could look at this and actually take that step back and sell that to the fan base. Like, hey, listen, we don't love where we're at. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take a step back. We might trade off some pieces. We really feel like we'll be in a good position within two or three years to jump back in and become the contender that the fans deserve. But when you don't make the postseason for a decade and you've, you've tried to sell your fan base over the last two years that you were the real deal, that you had all of these championship aspirations and you fail like you failed, I have to say, like I think that that's going to in some way – influence their decision-making. And I don't necessarily mean that with JT Real Muto. I just mean it in terms of not moving on from Zach Wheeler, uh, not moving on from Bryce Harper, uh, trying to creatively uh, take on salary, I would say, as soon as 2022 rolls around. I just don't think they're going to do it this year. Could they trade some of of the remaining prospects to to patch at the major league level and and make themselves a fringe contender? It's, It's possible. You said it at the top. The reason why I think that there's just such a lack of buzz about the Phillies right now is because it's hard to envision a path forward. Like fans in this city are embracing tanks increasingly, right? Like if, if the Eagles come out this offseason and say, hey, listen, we're, we're going to hire a new young coach. This team was old. The Super Bowl era is over. We've been to the playoffs three times in the last four years. We're tearing it all down. Give us two years and we'll be back. Fans aren't going to love it, but they're going to understand it. 
what the Sixers have just done. Fans understood it. A lot of fans did. Younger fans did. I think it's a generational thing. But the Phillies just don't have that luxury to be honest and say, hey, we're going to, we need another two years. So, and I think that that's why they're at where they're at. And we, we just see this like lukewarm lack of activity. And I think that that's why fans are just, okay, hey, baseball is going to happen in April and we get that first 70 degree day. It's going to be really nice, but there's just zero expectations surrounding this team right now. More of my conversation with Bob coming right up where we get more into the dissection of kind of where this Phillies rebuild or retool, whatever you want to call it, is headed and how Dave Dombrowski fits into that equation. You have the primes of guys like Bryce Harper, Aaron Nola, Reese Hoskins, Alec Bohm, but doesn't necessarily line up with where they expected to be at this point. They went through years of rebuilding, and yet they seemingly still can't make the playoffs, even in expanded playoff format. The NL East just got even tougher with the Francisco Lindor trade. So we'll get into all of that and where the Phillies are headed and what their plan should be in the next couple of years. But I first want to tell you about my friends at Bet Online. Look, the NFL postseason, the playoffs, they're already here. You already had super wild cards Saturday and Sunday, six games going on this past weekend, but there's still divisional games, conference championship games, and of course the Super Bowl coming up, and Bet Online has you covered. There is only one place that has you covered and only one place we trust. It's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Again, use the promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus. And it's not just the NFL. Look, the NBA already in full swing. Flyers got a 6-3 win over the Pittsburgh Penguins just last night. Their season is already in full swing. Plenty of basketball, plenty of hockey, a lot of college basketball to bet on. And there's only one place, again, that we trust here at Locked On. That's betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to get your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Also want to tell you about my friends at rockauto.com. Look, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars, it's now impossible to stock all of the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and then wait while the counterman orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the ones that they have on hand or the brands they carry or whatever the warehouse happens to have in stock. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. rockauto.com, it's a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com, shop for the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car will ever need. It's affordable. It's, a, again, a whole lot better de- depending on how educated you are on your car's parts. It's definitely not my area of expertise, but it's super, super easy. And again, it's cheaper. Everything you'll ever need, rockauto.com. More of the Locked On Phillies podcast coming right up. But before we get back to part two with Bob Wankel, 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and you want more wins, it's time to listen to the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. 
I had a lot of thoughts based upon what you just said. The first being that I, I think it was 2019 when Andy McPhail, right around the trade trade deadline, infamously said, if we don't, we don't. And that's a quote of a team who's kind of talking like, hey, we made the playoffs last year. We've been successful recently. This just isn't our year. That's not what you want to hear from your brain trust when the team hasn't made the playoffs since 2011 has now the second longest playoff drought in baseball with the Marlins going to the postseason this year. Like it's a very nonchalant attitude. He's obviously not in charge anymore. That's not Dombrowski's MO. I don't think he would have taken the job if he didn't think he could get this team into the playoffs. On the other hand, like there's always this debate of like, Oh, should you go for it? Or should you tank rebuild it? Quote unquote, the right way. I, when you were mentioning the tanking thing, you know, I was sarcastically thinking to what happened with the Eagles a few weeks ago and where we are now in terms of like, you know, people used to say with the Sixers, will the fans even come back? And then there was a one game instance that was just like mishandled to, I don't even like, at least publicly between playing Sudfeld versus Jalen Hurts. And now Doug Peterson's out of a job a week after they have a press conference with him and how he rose. Like the whole, the whole way that people think about tanking i don't think it's people like to say like the city's getting softer it's a generational thing like if you have to rebuild you have to rebuild that's kind of how i've always looked at it especially in a league like the nba but getting back to baseball like they're already kind of in too deep i think we know with john middleton that he's an owner that certainly makes decisions and likes to flash his big money if he thinks it's going to make him money or make him look better as exemplified by the fact that he flew out to Vegas how many times to go land Bryce Harper. And then he also infamously said that he doesn't even touch the bullpen decisions and the team was like horrendous because of it. Like it's, they're so it's not, they're not consistent with their thinking in like, okay, we have these guys who are in their primes. And if you really were going to like tear it down and rebuild it, you wouldn't have those. I don't think they're, I, you know, I would be yeah, stunned there's no in my mind that they they're not, not trading Harper or Nola or any of these guys tomorrow, like they have their primes now. So you kind of want to go for it. On the other hand, like they're not good enough to go for it. So like, what do you even like, do you call it a retool? I feel like it's more than that, but it's not quite a rebuild. Yeah. And I, that's exactly what I think it is. I mean, you're not going to waste the next three years of Bryce Harper's career. You're not going to waste prime Aaron Nola. You're you're not going to go out and, and take years two, three, and four of Zach Wheeler's contract and punt on those things. You wouldn't have brought in Dave Dombrowski if the idea was to rebuild or, you know, tear it down and rebuild. And you certainly wouldn't have hired Joe Girardi to come in here and be the manager to oversee a rebuild. That's not what these guys are. That's not, you know, what they, you know, when they brought these guys in, that was not the intention for them. So, yes, I think that they will try to sell you on the idea of a retool. They may not say anything at all. I, I really just believe that this season is going to be a, we, we caught a lot of bad breaks last year. We think that we can hang around. If there's an opportunity once the season starts for us to better ourselves, we'll do it. But if not, we, we're not going to have that crazy sense of urgency this year in 2021. We're going to need a year. And I really do think that come next season, we'll feel a lot better in, in January of 2022, two months before spring training, about where this team we think it is and where this team is trying to go. I think that there will be urgency. I don't think it's going to take four or five years for that urgency to return. But I do think that this is an owner that said, hey, and listen, he's he's not exempt from criticism either. And we can talk about him if you want to. But he's a guy that I think said, I, 
I signed the checks. I spent the money. I did what I needed to do in order to get the team that I thought we were supposed to have. And we came so laughably short of that. We need to take a time out here. We need to pump the brakes and figure out what the hell is going on. And I truly believe one of the reasons that Dave Dombrowski was so in- intriguing to him and so in you know, his target once it became available was that they needed a sense of professionalism in this organization, a voice that could say, hey, I was on the outside. I, I know what's going on here. I can fix this. I can identify what our issues are. And I really just believe that this season and what's going on right now is more about identifying the problems that exist within the organization versus let's go all in and let's win right away. And I think that that's where they're at right now. It's like a transition phase. Uh, You know, we don't have to call it a rebuild, but I would say that they're certainly in an evaluation and a transition period. Yeah. And I think they've, it feels at least to outsiders or fans that they've been in that transition phase for the better part of a decade at this point. I believe that they felt, I see, I think that, that from 2015 through 2017, that was the rebuild. That was the tear it down and and let's do it the right way. And I truly believe that when they got to the 2018 season, that they felt that they had a playoff team. And I certainly believe that when they got to 2019, they felt they had a playoff team and they didn't. And, and then know, 2020 shortened season expanded playoffs. They certainly felt like they had a playoff team again, you know, and especially once you got rid of Gabe Kapler, which, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, like I, I will say this, this is an unpopular opinion, but I always felt that Gabe Kapler got a little bit of a bad deal here. I always, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I I'll get to that in a second, but go ahead. Finish. You your know, I, I wrote a, a lot of pieces in defense of Gabe Kapler and, and people, you know, I, I love Joe Giglio. Like Joe is a guy that I really respect. I think he really knows baseball. But I think a lot of times people think that Joe takes the, the stances that he does just to get a reaction and just to kind of anger the, the masses. And I know that he felt the way that, or, you know, he felt the way that I feel about Gabe Kapler. And it's I equate it to this. It's like asking a real estate agent to bring a buyer into a house and there's water coming down through the ceiling. The house smells. Uh, there's broken windows everywhere. The carpet has mold in it. Like that real estate agent, no matter how good they are, has no shot to sell that house. And that's how I felt about the 2019 Phillies with Gabe Kapler. It was like, yeah, you brought in Bryce Harper and you have JT Realmuto here, but there are so many fatal flaws that exist up and down this team that there's no way that they're going to just be able to, you know, say, oh, here we go. Here's the playoffs because we spent a lot of money. That was a, a poorly built team and, and they scapegoated the manager and they thought that by bringing in Joe Girardi with this championship pedigree, this sense of professionalism, that it was automatically going to translate. Well, what did we see in 2020? We saw a team choke down the stretch and we saw a team that had a lot of flaws in 2018, 2019 show those exact same flaws in 2020. And I really think now that's Sean Middleton saying like, I won't curse. This isn't my podcast, but oh, shucks, we have a problem here. It's not necessarily the way that this thing's been directed. It's the way it's been built. We need to bring in an architect that can figure out what has happened and how do we fix it? Well, a few, I had a a lot of thoughts based upon what you said. First of all, uh, I appreciate uh, your language check there. This is a family-friendly podcast podcast. (laughs) um, (laughs) where we complain about the Philadelphia Philly. So I appreciate that. Number two, uh, to go off your point about Joe Giglio, I know I agree with him. I've had the opportunity to meet him a few times. I obviously was recently onboarded uh, as a weekend producer at WIP. He was formerly on this podcast, and I always kind of felt like he did, especially while he was while he was here. 
and ever since. And I had a tweet back in August that got a lot of traction. Basically, I, you know, I've kind of taken on this brand a little bit of like the coach defender. I think if we look at all of the Philadelphia teams as recently as what the Eagles did earlier this week, like Philadelphia owners love the scapegoat hire uh, or the scope scapegoat fire rather, uh, whether it was Gabe Kapler, who like, let's be real. I thought he was a good manager with just even better sound bites. And so people didn't like the way he spoke. And that's why it was easy to point. Hey, he's the reason we're losing. By the way, it's also not great, especially his first year. Like, and maybe this speaks to a larger problem around baseball of lack of personality and lack of interest in the team that your manager is the face of the team. I mean, for crying out loud, he's in better shape than half the players on the team. Looks like he should go out there and be playing. But he was the talking point day in and day out about the Phillies. So as they succeeded, he succeeded as they didn't succeed. He did not succeed. Easy to point the blame. So they go to Girardi. Same problems persist. You move to the Sixers. I do believe Doc Rivers is a better coach than Brett Brown. I do buy some of the argument of probably a new voice for these stars is better, but I think absolutely getting Daryl Morey and a lar- fixing a larger organizational problem was certainly the bigger issue. And it's the way I feel about Doug Peterson right now too. And I think the way a lot of people feel that they shouldn't side with Howie Roseman over Doug Peterson, but getting back to the Phillies, now that you do have a new manager an established manager who's won, and now you have a new president of baseball operations, they're like, all right, we kind of changed. We overhauled a little bit. Finally, we got rid of the guy making decisions. But the interest level, if you compare it to all, like, I really believe this, and I don't think it's even particularly close at the moment. The interest level in the Phillies right now, comparison to the other three teams, I think it has to be fourth out of four. Like, I I know the Flyers are always clearly like the fourth in interest and it's just because it's hockey, but like they're coming off a trip to the second round game seven. Like there's some interest in them starting up tonight. The Sixers might be pursuing a superstar as we're recording this. I mean, James Harden could be a sixer by the time we finish recording or this gets posted. The Eagles are the Eagles and they have a coaching search and a quarterback controversy. So whether the future is bright or not, which right now it doesn't look like it is, there's at least a lot of talk about them with the Phillies. It's like, all right, slow moving off season. They didn't make the playoffs last year. And like, why should I get excited? Like it's almost not even an annoyance. It's a dis like, it's just lack of interest. It's and amazing. How, like, how do they get that back? It's, it's amazing how things have turned in, in two years. If you go back just two years ago, where the, the perception of this franchise was they have a winning, they have a winning owner, a guy that's all in, will do whatever it takes. They have the superstar now who gets the city and he is one of the, the biggest brands in the entire sport. I mean, you remember that, that first game they're playing the Braves, I guess um, that first weekend, right. That he's here and he's got the, he's got the uh, like fanatic uh, cleats on and, and it's just, it's awesome. The entire thing is awesome. Right. Uh, and, and here we are now. And it's just, it's, it's amazing that it's, it's turned like this. And I can't think of a, up until, you know, frankly, up until two days ago with Doug Peterson being fired, it's really hard to find a figure in this city from a sports standpoint that was thought so highly of who has now just been completely, I mean, the, the tide is just completely turned against John Middleton. Um, and I get it. You know, the Phillies, the Phillies have made the mistake uh, multiple times of, of acting like they are the victim of the COVID-19 pandemic. Like nobody else has been impacted by this, you know, whether it be on a personal level or a financial level. 
And but the uproot know, during a pandemic quote was just ridiculous until they it's amazing. You know, I was I was in that Zoom call and I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I was on video. I didn't have my my camera off, so I couldn't make the face that I wanted to make. But I was I was dumbfounded by by those comments. And I was dumbfi- uh, dumbfounded after they fired Gabe Kapler about the third best bullpen ERA in the second half of the season. And they are. Like they had the stat ready to go. Like he, yeah, they he was, did. They had it queued had up. That, it was like, they they oh. had that queued up the same way that Jeff Lurie was all ready to call Nate Sudfeld unstoppable <laughs> in a game where he quite literally didn't score a point. But that's besides the fact. Yeah, I texted Jack Fritz the other day and I said, hey, man, I was like, I'd like you to do a, a an afternoon poll. Sudfeld 19 of 22 or third best bullpen ERA second half of 2019. Like that being said, you know, in addition to all the baseball problems that the Phillies have development, you know, all the, all the problems that they have, one of their biggest issues. And I think it lends, uh, it's really part of the reason that we're dealing with this, this lack of interest in the team is that their messaging from the top decision makers has been just so horrendously bad now for the last three or four years. I mean, just terrible. Every press conference is a disaster. Uh, Every, you know, every time John Middleton got on a microphone, he said something that was damning. Uh, Andy McPhail may be the single worst upper executive in terms of being uh, on camera or, you know, having a microphone in front of him that I've ever seen. Uh, Just a guy that inspires absolutely no confidence whatsoever. And so the Phillies, in addition to their baseball problems, also have a messaging problem. And Dave Dombrowski, to his credit, in the limited amount that he's spoken to the media, I think has alleviated that issue a little bit. He's at least come across um, knowledgeable, uh, with some intent, with some urgency. And so I think that his hire in that regard will, will definitely help, but it's going to take some time. And that's really, I think the biggest takeaway, it's going to take some time and nobody wants to hear that. That'll do it for part one of my conversation with Bob Wankel. I can stay tuned for part two, where we get into more things like what he liked from 2020 in major league baseball and really in all of sports. You know, there were a lot of changes in terms of media access going down to the ballpark versus staying at home and logging into a press conference via Zoom. And, of course, things on the field, things that I've discussed before on this very podcast, like the three batter minimum, seven inning double headers, the universal DH, and a whole lot more. So we debate that. And, of course, what is there to get excited about with this Phillies team? It's a seemingly slow offseason. We still don't know kind of what the story is with JT Romuto. So we give a few reasons why we think there is, you know, reason to get excited about the Philadelphia Phillies. That's all in part two, so stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening to part one of the Locked on Phillies podcast.